All right, uh, I, I get the privilege to be uh, third in a line of just phenomenal talks. Uh, Christine took us to history. I'm going to take us to looking forward um, and kind of putting up our antennas to discern the times. And so that's really why I got asked to talk because of a conversation I had with Alan, because I'm trying to discern what is the right response in this moment and what is the, what is the church to be doing. That's the question we should be asking. So I want to identify something, um, and that is that we are facing a crisis of leadership. I don't know if you have picked this up or have noticed it, but it appears that less and less people are aspiring to leadership. Less and less people want to be leaders. I've seen this in my own home. Uh, I have four kids, and, and I was talking to my youngest uh, just a couple days ago, and uh, like I've said to all of my kids, I'm raising you to be a leader, and he kind of looked at me skeptical, like he didn't believe me, like he didn't believe that he could possibly be a leader, and that immediately gave me another clue of where we are at in our current cultural moment. So why do I believe that we are facing a crisis of leadership and why are less people wanting to be leaders? Here's a few of my observations. First, the pandemic. Leaders have faced impossible situations during the pandemic. In one week, you're taking a stand and one person is... Uh, walking away from your church because they, didn't, they thought you were too conservative. The other one thought you were too liberal on your stance. And it was an impossible situation. And the, and the pandemic took away the privilege of ministry. And it seemed like we just got the burden of ministry. And so people are watching this and going, I don't want your job. <laughs> <laughs> That's like not inspiring. When I grew up, I want to face the problems that you're facing. The second observation is this, is our politicians. It seems like our political system is broken. If our political system was working effectively, then the process of our elections would give us the absolute best leader. But I do not think that we are getting the best leaders presently. Our politicians are voted in because they are acting political, not because they're acting like leaders. And I don't know any young person that's aspiring to be a politician presently. I don't know if you're picking this up. uh, Every once in a while, you get a picture of a good leader that rises up, and all of a sudden, it's like inspiring, like President Zelensky right now. Like, there's, there's courage there. There's good leadership. I don't know all the things about him, so maybe he's a bad leader, but everything seems like he's a great leader. I want more leaders like that. Third observation is the fall of many of our leaders in the church. We have seen so many moral failures. Our giants have fallen. Who would have thought Bill Hybels and Ravi Zacharias? And the list goes on. And we have documentaries like The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill and this recent documentary that just came out about Hillsong. Rachel and I watched Hillsong and the the, the documentary. It wasn't well done. It's very biased. 
But we're just so grieved that yet again, church leaders rise up to prominence and they do a disservice to Jesus and the church. So many are looking at this and saying, well, maybe what the problem right now is, this is what's happening, I think, in the church potentially. My observation, people are looking at leadership in the church and they're starting to question the legitimacy of leadership. Should we even have leaders? And if you're in, in, in the thought of, well, we definitely don't need strong leaders. Fourth observation is this, what is happening with our younger generation. David Brooks wrote a book called Road to Character, and here's a quote I will read. Fame used to rank low as a life's ambition for most people. In 1976, a survey that asked people to list their life goals, fame ranked 15th out of 16th. By 2007, 51% of our young people reported that being famous was one of their top personal goals. In one study, middle school girls will ask who they would like to have dinner with. Jay Lopez came in first. Jesus Christ came in second. Paris Hilton came in third. The girls will then ask which of the following jobs they would like to have. Nearly twice as many said they would rather be a celebrity's personal assistant, for example, Justin Bieber's, than president of Harvard. This isn't true of every person in the younger generations. But a lot of the younger generation wants fame and not responsibility. Fifth observation is this, church planting networks. From what I've witnessed, church planting movements are working harder than ever to recruit church planters from outside their own movements. I am personally getting more contact more than ever, more than any time I could remember, asking me to give some of my people who are potential church planters so that they could train into their movement and plant them. We see church planning movements offering cash incentives. And I can only assume this is because they're facing a lack of people raising their hand to plant a church. And I'm observing this myself personally. Less people aspiring to plant a church. All of these factors are playing into what I believe is a crisis of leadership. You don't have to agree with me. This is my observation, and I'd love to invite a conversation to be had about this. People are less inclined to aspire to leadership. So when we are looking towards the future, and I'm talking about the next three years, the next five years, the next ten years, I don't believe raising leaders is going to be easier. I think we're actually going to face more difficulty trying to raise and develop leaders as we look forward. That's my observation. So what are we supposed to do? I think together as a movement, we need to collectively acknowledge this crisis and address it. We need to collectively acknowledge this crisis and address Address it. We need more leaders, not less. If we're going to plant hundreds of churches into the future, we need more leaders. We need more leaders. And we need more strong leaders. Let us protect ourselves from reaction and reject the need for small, uh, strong leaders because some of our prominent leaders have fallen. No, we still need strong leaders. We need strong leaders. 
Strong leadership does not equal abusiveness. Strong leadership doesn't equal domineering or narcissistic behaviors. Strong leadership doesn't equate to emotional unhealth. This isn't strong leadership. This is just ungodly leadership. We want to see strong leaders identified and released. Strong leaders can be humble. Strong leaders can be selfish. Selfless. <laughs> and selfless, yes. Strong leaders can be emotionally healthy. Strong leaders can be godly. And so we want to see strong, godly churches raised. Suffering under the oppression of the Midianites, Gideon was in a threshing, threshing wheat in the bottom of the wine press. And he was fearful and he was reluctant. He was fearful and he was reluctant. And the angel of the Lord comes to him and says, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And in our current moment, uh, where many of our potential leaders and our younger generation are full of fear and reluctant to lead, they need to hear us saying, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. The Lord is with you, O mighty woman of valor. You need to breathe wind into their cells and call them out and call them forward. Joshua, when facing the reality of having to lead the next generation, he was commissioned, be strong and courageous. Have I not called you? Be strong and courageous. The second thing that I think that we need to do is we need to have a significant mind shift. A significant mind shift. We need to focus our efforts on developing leaders rather than recruiting leaders. If there's going to be a scarcity in the next 10 years, what happens when there's a scarcity? People begin to do whatever they need to do to get what they need. If there's no food, people start doing ungodly things to get food to feed themselves. And what I'm concerned about over the next 10 years is churches eating other churches. If a church has a bigger budget and they see a good leader in a smaller struggling church that should be there to help encourage and strengthen that church, this stronger church with more money can say, wow, I want that leader. And they start, can start pilfering other churches to their demise. This is dysfunctional and should not happen. How do we get leaders? We develop them from within our churches, and this needs to shift in our mindset. There's many of you, many, well, no, I'm not going to say many of you. That's too direct. Rachel says I'm too intense too often. Sometimes I think... that there is maybe a deficit in my own church. And I start to dream, well, maybe I could go find someone I need, I think I need for our church. I'm going to go find them. And I don't think this is the right mindset. Here's where, what my underlying philosophy is. It's super basic and super simple. Jesus is building his church. I am not building the church. I am just an under-shepherd under Jesus who's doing a really good job leading this church. And he's leading my church. 
And that, what does that mean? Practically, that means that he is gathering together a special selected group of people in my time, in my context, in my city together to be his church. And that means within my congregation are all the gifts that I need. My job as a leader is to steward those gifts, develop those gifts so that they can be raised within our church. We need to shift from a mindset of recruiting to a mindset of mind shift of developing. Come on, guys. You didn't hear that. Move on. Last thing that I think that we need to do is we need to play the long game. We need to play the long game. Oftentimes, we as church leaders are just trying to solve the immediate crisis. And I'm asking for us to think about the next 10, 20, 30 years. Let's think together about the next 10, 20, and 30 years of a movement. I hope, I want to be part of a movement that, raise, that plants hundreds of churches. I want to I I live in a time where we rally together as the church in partnership and planted hundreds of churches. We don't want to just think about what we're going to do this year as far as planting churches. We want to think about what we're doing 10 years from planting churches. So can I just, for group, group project together, in the room, if there is the slightest possibility that you are living with right now, that you potentially are called to be a church planner, would you please stand up right now? Just real quick. There's the slightest possibility, the slightest possibility. Awesome. Everybody, every, yeah, let's get photos, hold them to it. No, no, we're not doing that. Hey, everybody look around the room. This is our global conferences and movement, and this is our future. This is our future. Let's give them applause. Awesome, you guys can have a seat. This is where we are presently. This is where we are presently, but we want to look to the future. And we want to start thinking about what it's going to look like to have a movement of hundreds and hundreds of church planners being sent out from us. Not for numbers sake, but for Jesus' sake. So one of the things that we've been doing as a church, can I have uh, um, Adam and Chris Nagel, why don't you guys stand up? These are, these are two of the elders at uh, One Life. Um, Chris Nagel, the taller one. He uh, provides uh, oversight of our children's ministries, uh, which is rocking right now. And uh, Adam Bright, who provides oversight of our youth, which is just absolutely doing phenomenal. We have 150 kids every Wednesday night passionately worshiping Jesus with a youth-led band, and they're going for it. But the conversations we are having as an eldership team is how do we get more leaders and more church planners? And so we started talking. You guys can sit down now. Thanks, guys. We started chatting about where, 
are we going to get our future leaders? Where is our leadership pipeline? So we said, no, our kids in our church are going to be the best people, potential leaders and potential church planners in our future. And so we start, we're starting about, starting talking about celebrating church planners in our children's ministries. Two weeks ago on Easter, we gave every single kid a t-shirt that's all black and with big white bold letters that says born to lead. We are trying to create a leadership culture in our church. And then when they get to their youth, we are developing leaders. And our hope is that we have at, at 20s, at, when our kids hit about 20, they're going to, or right after high school, they're going to a gap year, they're going into internships. And then we are raising up leaders, not just church planners, but raising up leaders. We need worship leaders. We need elders. We need, and the list goes on. Because this is what we want to see happen. We want to develop leaders and we want to plant a lot of churches. We need leaders right now and we need strong leaders. Would you join me in the next 10, 20 years of seeing hundreds and hundreds of churches planted? That's it. Thank you, BB. So. I think a combination of inspiring and intimidating. <laughs> so the reality that most of us in this room do not have your level of um, intentionality and gift in this stuff. So that's why it could be intimidating potentially for some who just don't have that kind of resource in themselves or in their church. And of course that's where a movement comes in. So just give us, you kind of burnt for the local church thing. And I'm not asking you to make up advanced group decisions on behalf of the team, but just give us a two-minute burn on what you imagine we could do as a movement. So that the church, which is 50 people and employs one guy half-time, just doesn't have the kind of resources you have in your size of church in, in Texas. What, what can we do as, what do you, over the next 10 years, dream a dream for us of how we as a movement could raise up more leaders? Quick. <laughs> just put you on the, just to put you on the spot. Yeah. Um, we strengthen and plant churches. How do we strengthen churches? We strengthen churches to health. When a church is healthy, it's reproducible. It is producing healthy leaders and it's producing healthy churches. So we want our churches strengthened. Some of you are struggling right now. We want every church in our movement strengthened because if you're strengthened, you're going to start to reproduce leaders and reproduce churches. So we want to all together collectively work mutually for our uh, collective strength. And then we commit to each other to focus on what the mission is that the gospel advances through church planning. And I think us partnering together to do that, we can literally see. I mean, my heart right now, I told, I told the guys a few, couple days ago, I don't know if I got yeses and amens. They probably need to think about it and pray about it and fast about it. Maybe I need to do the same thing. But I think in seven years, we can have over 500 churches as a movement. And that's not because we're just chasing after numbers, because each number represents a church that's in a local area that's reaching their area for Jesus and extending and advancing the gospel. We need more healthy churches. There's not a lot of healthy churches in the world right now. And so we need healthy churches to, in order to plant healthy churches. So that's it. Awesome. <laughs> Let's stand together. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Brian. Let's pray. 
Well, thank you so much for what we've heard this afternoon. Well, thank you for these lessons of history. Thank you for lessons being worked out in reality on the streets of Peter Maritzburg in the face of absolute anarchy and then floods and, oh God, and then we see uh, Brian's passion for raising leaders and we're reminded again of the need and how we, we cannot afford to be complacent. We do, we do see that crisis after crisis is hitting us. We need to be resilient. We need to be those trees with roots deep down into living water. And we need, we, we need to hold on to what is sure. And even as we're buffeted by events of the world, be standing firm in you. And so I pray that you would help us to do that. I pray you'd help us to, to be crisis-ready disciples and to make crisis-ready disciples. There would be a resilience, a spiritual resilience about us so that humbly we might go onwards. In your name we ask it. Amen.